So today, I don't know if you know this, but today is a momentous day in history. The 15th of September. Um, I'm talking about the 15th of September, 1997. Something happened on that day that would change the course of history. Something happened on the 15th of September, 1997, that would impact every area of life. Education, research, uh, normal day-to-day life, how we look after ourselves, how we plan holidays, how we explore future life opportunities, everything would be different after 15th of September, 1997, when Google.com domain name was first registered. Big day in the history of the world. It is actually impossible, I think, it's impossible to overstate the impact that that's had on our lives. I sometimes say uh, among my family, I don't ever want to lose the sense of wonder that I have at what the internet can do. And of course, Google is an absolutely massive part of that. Lindsay and I will sometimes bore the kids by, by playing the Do You Remember When game. And we'll say things like, do you remember when, when you wanted to learn something, you had to have a stack of impressive encyclopedias in your house, and if they didn't do the job, you had to like, get on the bus and go to the library where they had even more impressive encyclopedias. Uh, do you remember when you used to have to have maps and you used to have to plan a route when you were going from A to B rather than just getting in your car and going, Google Maps, and then, and then it tells you where to go. Even, even if you make a wrong turn, it helps you out and just recalculates it for you. Um, do you remember when, if you needed to do a new DIY project, you had to have someone show you how to do it? Yeah, I know, I know. I was, I, I was, I was going there. I was like, yeah, Google, Google hasn't helped me so much with that yet. I'm, I'm learning. Although I did fix that blind yesterday. I know I've, I've, just, I've just lost my reward in heaven for that, uh, that, work, of, that work there. But I, anyway, there, there we go. Google helps with, even with DIY projects, I'm told. Uh, YouTube videos and all the rest of it. Granted, there are maybe a few challenges along the way as well, because you can also play the Do You Remember When game like this. Do you remember when you got actual medical advice from doctors instead of freaking yourself out after you put a couple of symptoms in? I I bet, Jane, you must get so many people saying, the internet told me I've got this disease. Can you confirm that, please, Dr. White? Uh, Do you remember when there were actual trusted sources of information, which when you read them, you could believe that they were true? Uh, Do you remember when some multinational company didn't know more about me than I know about myself? And then you get these targeted spooky adverts directly for, for where you're at in life. So there's a few challenges along the way, but the internet is incredible, and I don't want to lose that sense of wonder. But I know I do. It's just become part of my day-to-day life. The number of times I just pull my phone out of my pocket, search for something, or hit Control-T on my browser, which opens a new tab. If you didn't know that, you're welcome. Uh, and then, you know, just type something into the search bar there. And, you know, it just, it's, it's just become part of my, to be honest, probably hour-to-hour life. I forget how incredible it is. To a much greater extent... And with infinitely more significance, the same can happen to us with spiritual realities in our lives. Like today's message from Romans chapter 8, verse 9. One verse sermon. 
which is that the Spirit of God dwells in us. We can forget the wonder of that. It can just become part of our hour-to-hour life without us even thinking about it. The Spirit of God dwells in us. Two weeks ago, we were looking at how the Spirit sets us free on the basis of what Jesus has done. That the, the Spirit sets us free. We can know freedom with God, life with God, like we were created for. Last week, we were, we were looking at how those who have been set free have to walk in that freedom, and God himself helps us as we learn how to walk according to the Spirit, to set our mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And this week, well, let's, let's read Romans 8, 1 to 11, and it's verse 9 we're going to focus on, but I just want to read this passage again. You can't read this passage too many times. So let's read God's word with great expectation that he is speaking to us today. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk uh, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit." To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Amen. Amen. So Dominic is going to look next week at verses 10 and 11 about how the Spirit is life and how the Spirit gives us life. But this week, we're just considering this reality mentioned in verse 9, that the Spirit of God dwells in us. Now, I just have to be careful here, and we have to figure out, who do I mean by us? Because here, we're talking about those who are in the Spirit, are in the Spirit. That's some of the language that Paul's using here. Now, we're not going to spend too long on this um, because we've considered this quite a lot over the last two weeks, but it's important to mention because Paul is continuing here in our verse this week, and in these verses, he's continuing in contrasting this life under or in the flesh, life lived by the power of sin and death. It's also referred to in verse 2, life lived in the flesh and life lived in the Spirit, in freedom with God. Paul's contrasting these things, and we've seen how these are 
These are not mainly, yes, there's, there is a struggle that goes on in the life of the Christian, but in the way that Paul's speaking here, he's not mainly speaking about internal struggle. He's speaking about these as two completely different re- ultimate realities, and every human being ultimately lives according to one of these realities. There is life without God, and there is life with God. Now, that's not to say, of course, that God disappears. God is always near. He's always seeking out the lost. He's always communicating to us in in multiple ways of who He is and of His love. But I'm talking here about the ultimate power which which governs how we walk and the the, the authority under which we, we live our lives. There's life without God and life with God. There's life without God's life and rescue and forgiveness. And there's life in light of receiving God's love and grace. There is life walking forward, choosing the path that we choose for ourselves, or indeed maybe better put for some of you here, coping on our own with a path that has been imposed on us by people and circumstances of the life that we have lived so far, or there's life where we walk according to God's plan, with God alongside us, with His help. And I, I just stress this again because this passage just mentions again and again the seriousness of this. Look at verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from, what are we talking about? The alternative here is the law of sin and death. Or look at verse 6, where it says, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So, as should be the case every week, Hillview, Contour, Community Church should be praying day by day, praying that in our midst, people would be turning to God, praying that God would grant new life, that God would draw them to himself and receive of his freedom and of his life and of his peace. There's nothing more important, nothing more wonderful in the life of our church than if God brings these realities to life in in our in, in, in your spirit. If you're here today and you don't know if you're a Christian, I just pray that you will feel something change in your heart, even as you're listening to this message. And, and if you do, what that is, is the Holy Spirit is bringing your, your heart to beat into life with God's life and God's freedom. And we should be praying that. We should be praying that on a Sunday. We should be praying that through the week. That, that, that salvation will spring up. That God will do a new work. That he'll draw people to himself. That, that, that this baptismal tank will be getting filled way more than it currently is. May it be, may it be that we would know not life according to the flesh, but life in the spirit. But I'm also just, we should, yes, we should be praying for that. But we should also be praying for all of us here. For some, yes, that we taste God's freedom for the first time. But for those of us who know that we are alive in Christ, I've been praying that we will be struck afresh in wonder and awe at this reality in verse 9. The verse, of course, here, maybe we could pop it up on the screen, Armin, and just leave Romans chapter 8, verse 9 up there, because that'll be, that'll be good for us to have it before us. Much of that verse is framed in, in the negative, isn't it? You, you're not in the flesh, uh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But, but it's just these two realities that we're after, that the Spirit of God dwells in us, and then this bit of the very 
very end of the verse that there is a reality for those in Christ that we belong to Jesus. That's incredible. May we never lose the wonder of this. I mean, forget Google. Forget the internet. Forget even the most wonderful bit of information that Google or the internet can teach us. Forget the complex, unique code that every single human being is wired with. Forget the depth of insight and wisdom of the brightest minds and deepest thinkers. Forget the scale of the unfolding mysteries of the cosmos. Forget the endless capacity of human beings to create with such variety and incredible beauty. Forget the most inspiring stories of human courage and sacrifice and victory absolutely nothing comes close to the wonder of wonders that God himself can dwell in us. God dwells in us. Now, what does that mean? Well, some translations say it differently. I think the NIV says lives. Is that right? If you've got an NIV, some translations say live. The the, the Spirit of God lives in us. Well, I think dwell is more helpful. Firstly, because the nature of this particular word Paul is using, it's quite a unique word. I think it's only used eight times in the New Testament, speaks to a sort of settled and lasting residing, which I think dwell is helpful for that. So you need speak about where you live. Well, I once lived in West Hill and now I live in King's Wells. One day I might live somewhere differently. You probably wouldn't speak of dwelling like that when it's used in that context. That's not what's going on. It's not about living for a moment and then moving on. One writer defined dwell here as a settled, permanent, penetrative influence. So this is talking about presence that matters, that sticks around, It's speaking about presence that makes a difference. And the word dwell, to to me at least, speaks of rest and peace and that lasting presence. And that's how God comes to every believer. He dwells in us. And I know that there are many in our community of faith just now who need to know that reality Maybe it feels to you like God's moved house. A peace you once know, a peace you once knew has moved on. The closeness of relationship that you once were aware of has gone. But that's not God. God doesn't move on. He doesn't hang out for a while and then leave us. He dwells in us. And there are a couple of ways that this is underlined in just this one verse. (laughs) A few folks said to me, what, eight sermons on one chapter of the Bible? That's a lot. I said, well, you could do like 50 sermons on Romans chapter 8. There's just so much, even just in this verse. And the first is the way that Paul uses his language. Look at it. It's interesting, right? You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. So there is a sense in which we are in the Spirit, and there is another sense in which the Spirit is in us. 
And there's this beautiful cycle that goes on in, in the way that Paul lays it out here. So if we're, if we're in, if he's in us, we're in him. And if we're in him, he's in us. Well, what's Paul doing here? This is this sort of profound metaphorical language that Paul is using to try and get at this most deep and mysterious truth. And he's speaking about the depth of communion that we have with God. Us in him and he in us. And the second way that we see the wonder of this, the power of this idea of God dwelling in us, is in this language at the end of the verse of us belonging to Christ. He's not some lodger that, 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 that leaves us. He's not even some lodger that we can push out. However, that might happen with angst, with whatever struggle you're going through, with lack of faith, with failure. We belong to Christ. We be- anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Therefore, those who do have the Spirit of Christ do belong to Him. Now, Why is Paul saying this? And why is he changing? Did you notice how he changed from Spirit of God to here he's now talking of Spirit of Christ? I think Paul is trying to get at something quite particular here. If we look at a very similar verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, this becomes richer and richer. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 says this, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So exact same truth, God in us. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. And here's the second part of Romans 8 verse 9. For you were bought with a price. We belong to Jesus because we were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, what is this price that we were bought with? Well, we know from other passages of the Bible, don't have time to look at them now, but Acts chapter 20, Galatians chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 9, that this price was Jesus' own blood. We were bought by God at the cost of the death of his son, and we are then owned by Christ. And by the way, parentheses, our tr- this is our true freedom. This is the paradox of the Christian faith. We're no longer slaves of sin. We're slaves of Christ Jesus. And in slavery to Christ Jesus is the freedom that God has made us for. But the point here is that we belong to Jesus. And the wonderful thing here for us to think about when we think about God dwelling in us is that God does not give up on those who he has brought to himself at the cost of his son's life. This God is not moving on. He's not moving out. God will not throw away something which he bought with infinitely costly resource of the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Listen to the way Jesus put it. In John chapter 10, verse 27, says this, My sheep, again, here we're talking about dwelling again. It's reminiscent of Psalm 23, right? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. We belong to Jesus. My Father, verse 29 of John 10, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Brother and sister, child of 
God. God is not done with you. God is not going to give up on you. God is not going to move on. He comes and he dwells within us. And this should blow our minds. Think of the power and the glory of this God in us. This should awaken joy and wonder in our hearts. Do you know what? Human beings are wired to love this reality. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how I know that. Think of the huge success of superhero movies, for example. I think in the last like 15 years or so, no sort of genre of movies has made anywhere near as much money as superhero movies. What is at the root of every superhero movie? Normal people who end up revealing that they have some incredible power within them, which makes everyone else go, wow, that's cool. It's not just superhero movies. Think of the the dusty attic that reveals an awesome treasure map which leads them to boring old caves in which they find this amazing pirate ship full of treasure. What movie am I talking about? The Goonies. The Goonies. But, But you see the wonder, right? Boring old attic filled with something awesome. Boring old caves with treasures galore. Think of the geeky guy who takes off his glasses, and it turns out he's not so bad looking after all. <laughs> Thought I'd just act that out for you. You're welcome. <laughs> think, of, think, of, think of the normal little cafe in Edinburgh, but people go there because something awesome happened there. J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter, and it's now on TripAdvisor. Or think of, what's it called? Uh, oh, I, wrote, I didn't write it down. In the North Point Cafe, I think, in St. Andrews. Just normal little cafe, but William and Kate met there. Something, and and it's now a tourist attraction. Normal on the face of it, but something awesome going on. Think of a boring old lamp with an all-powerful genie inside. Think of normal people who show incredible courage on inside them. Think, Think of Rosa Parks. Think of Tiananmen Square, the heroes of Flight 93, who we were remembering this week. What is it that brings a sense of wonder and awe when we hear stories like this? It's because we were created to look beyond ourselves. We are wired to see beyond our own fragile capacity. We are made to live in connection with more than that. We are made to live with inside us more than just the mundane power and effort that we we have hour by hour, day by day. We're made to live for and with more than that. So the reality of the Spirit of God dwelling in us should awaken such joy and wonder. And it's not some movie 
This is your reality when you wake up tomorrow morning. Nor is it some special ability that only special people have in special moments. This is from God, and it's for now, and it's forever, for every single child of God. So why are we not stunned by this? Why are we not blown away by this? This reality can be sidelined, or indeed it can become cliché. So we might speak, for example, of a child asking Jesus into his or her heart, but, but we don't know, is that appropriate terminology? Is that just a cliche or is that just a Christianese way to talk about coming to faith? Uh, Douglas Moo, uh, in his commentary, tells a story uh, upon his arrival home from work. His son David, who was five at the time, ran up to him exclaiming excitedly, Daddy, Daddy, I just invited Jesus into my tummy. And there's a little bit of education that had to to go on there. It's not a cliche to speak about asking Jesus into your heart. That's very appropriate terminology on the basis of Romans chapter 8 verse 9. It can be. It can be. It can be something that we we talk about in the past tense and that in in so many Christians' lives is just something that they they hold on to as a sort of of get-out-of-jail-free card that they think they can pull out and they never think about it again. It's not a cliche. It's an awesome reality. But still, regardless, this does not impact us day to day as it should. Why? Why do we take this for granted? And I think it's two things. Firstly, because our view of God is too small. And secondly, because the daily realities of this coming week are not in the right perspective compared to this most ultimate reality. We live in such a rush, don't we, in our culture, hour by hour, that we don't even manage to tune into and reflect on these spiritual realities. We don't make time to breathe them in and out day by day. So I thought we could try something this morning. I thought we could try and see the wonder of this together. So I'm going to ask for some input. It's always a little risky, to be honest with you, but I'm going for it. I'm going to ask for some input from you. And what I want you to do is, to the extent that you're able, some will be more able than others, and that's fine, to the extent that you're able, think across the whole Bible And I want you in a moment to shout out to me a favorite moment in the Bible or a thread through the whole scripture that speaks to the size of God, that speaks to the power and the wonder and the glory of God. What's a moment when you think of God being big and powerful, what's a favorite moment in the Bible that comes to mind? Just someone shout one out to me. Sorry? He can move mountains. Awesome. Yes, that God spoke and things came into being. Parting the Red Sea. Yes. Others. Right. Yeah, Job chapters 37 to 39, is it? I think 38 to 41. Revealing himself and just chapter after chapter, phrase after phrase of this is who I am. You've not understood this, the majesty of who I am. Others. Sorry? When God brings healing within us, absolutely, yeah. Isaiah chapter 6, I saw the Lord seated on high, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and the angel, it's holy, holy, yes. Bill, I missed your one, sorry. You shouted one out, did you not? Oh, sorry. The raising of Jesus to life 
Amen. Is there a more wonderful display of God's power and glory than that? Others? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, faced with terrible trauma and, and trial ahead, have found the power from God to hold on. Yes, others. He split the sea. Yes. We were just singing about it, right? Any others? Here's some that I've got. You, you can have a, a few more moments to think. Here's some that I jotted down. Moses on Mount Sinai when he says, show me your glory. And God says, eh, eh, you can't see my glory. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and I can pass by. And there's this wonderful revelation of who God is. I had Job as well. What about the transfiguration of Jesus? Blinding white, his face like the sun. What about... Isaiah chapter 6, what about the vision of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1? And John sees this vision and he says, When I saw him, I fell as though dead until the hand came down and touched him. Uh, Jesus, what about Jesus' arrest in the garden? They're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And remember Jesus in John chapter 14, I think, or 15, I'm not 16, who knows? Jesus says, I am he. And do you remember what happens? And they all fall down. Just when Jesus announces this word, I am he. Think of the sense of fear and awe when Jesus calmed the storm. Time for one more. Anyone got another one? I I don't know off the top of my head. Yes. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from him. Yes. What a God. This is our God. And we could, we could spend a lot longer, right, thinking of the scale, of the power, and the majesty, and the glory of our God. Listen to the way Paul describes God to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15 and 16. You speak about God dwelling in us. Listen to what God dwells in. He describes Jesus as he who is the blessed and only sovereign the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Our God dwells in unapproachable light, and he dwells in you, and he dwells in me. The power, the authority, the purity, the endlessness, the the might, the, the immovability of our God in me and in you. Dear friends, let us pray this week that we will be more awakened to this reality, the wonder of this truth that God dwells in us. And then secondly, and now we're closing, let us allow this reality to shape every moment of our lives. I'm really conscious that as we go through Romans chapter 8, these are the most profound and most foundational realities we could be thinking about. But the way our lives are, it's sometimes hard to know what difference do they make to sort of quote-unquote real life. I'm a little wary of that kind of mode of thinking. Because as I say, these are the most foundational realities. So they make every difference to every reality of our lives. But I know what life is like. I know for me, just busy, got loads of stuff going on, pressures, things coming up. And okay, what what difference does it make to me? 
that God dwells in me. When it's raining tomorrow morning and I'm in the car and I'm already 10 minutes late for wherever I'm going to and I'm freaking out about it and I'm panicking because of the news. It's talking about Brexit. Ah! You know, what, what does this mean for us that God dwells in us? Well, here's a few things. I'm just going to rattle through a few of them. <laughs> I shouldn't say that because the first one is our pace of life. So I'm just going to take a deep breath and we're just going to chill out and think about that. We do need to slow down, don't we? We do need to find silence. We need to seek it out. Quiet. Rest. For, for wonder to rise up in our lives. So we read that passage in 1 Corinthians 6. There's another very similar one in 1 Corinthians 3. It's speaking about us together being the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6, very much speaking about us as, as individuals, our bodies being temples of the Holy Spirit. Think when you're on holiday and you go into Notre Dame or another incredible cathedral and the sense of wonder that rises up when you walk in there, how you, you kind of look up and you're, you're taken aback a little bit. When you go into one of those cathedrals, you don't rush in and frantically get on with your task list, but you pause and you wonder. And you look up and you reflect inwards. And dear friends, this is a sacred truth that God dwells in us. So turn off some noise this week. Find some space. Slow down and wonder at these things. What does this verse mean for our sense of identity? I met with someone in this last week, and I was picking their brains. I said, listen, help me. I've never worked like in the oil industry or something like that. What difference does this make? And the first word that came back at me was, it's about identity. It's about where your identity is. You are not defined by what you spend most of your time doing this week. You are, you are not, in terms of how you understand your existence, you are not mainly or primarily an employee, a manager, a teacher, a pupil, a parent, husband, wife. You know, however you spend most of your time, that is not most fundamentally who you are. Before that, before anything, you are, as we were singing, a child of God, a temple of the living God, employed or unemployed, promoted or passed over, well-connected with others or lonely, rich or poor. God dwells in you. There's nothing more ultimate than that. Rest in that this week. Remind yourself as you drive into work, I'm not going to do everything that is thrown at me if it's going to cause me to ignore God, ignore my family. I'm not going to do everything that's thrown at me because I'm not ultimately responsible to my boss or this person in my family or this power at play in society, whatever that might be, whatever structures you're living under. Most ultimately, you are a child of God with God inside you. Remind yourself that this week. What does it mean for our relationships with brothers and sisters in the church? We can annoy each other, right? There are people in this room, I know that annoy you, 
It may well be me, right? (laughs) I'm very aware of that. But what does it mean for how we think about our brothers and sisters? That person who annoys you in the church, they have God dwelling inside them. They walk and live and breathe with a sacred, holy reality. Don't be rude to them. Don't gossip about them. Don't speak ill of them. Don't give up on them. Don't hold a grudge against them. They are carrying the presence of God. They should be treated carefully. What does it mean for our battle with sin? Paul makes this connection very clearly in that passage in 1 Corinthians 6. The context there is about sexual sin, and he's writing to the church. He's not writing to those outside of the church. In fact, in the previous chapter, he makes a plain. He says, what would I have to do with judging outsiders? But there is a reality for those who have the presence of God dwelling in them that we are supposed to care about the sin that we have in our lives. And for Christians, the point about sin, especially sexual sin, by the way, is that we are using these bodies of ours, we're using these temples of the Holy Spirit, and we are engaging them in all sorts of behavior that has absolutely nothing to do with the holy, awesome, pure, loving God who lives inside us. How different our battles with sin would be as we truly, more and more, day by day, understood that God's loving presence resides right there in us. If we truly were awakened to that reality, how different our battles with temptation would be. How about our goals for this church? What are you praying for? For Hillview Community Church? What difference does it make that the Spirit of God dwells in us. Well, before anything else, let's remember that as it says in 1 Peter 2, we are living stones, each of us alive in God, each of us full of the Spirit. We are together being built up into the holy temple of God. Let's remember that that's what we are chasing after more than anything else, more than anything else. Yes, we absolutely should care for the community in which we live. Yes, we should find creative ways, as we have been doing. It's been brilliant to show that we love and care for them. Yes, we should run careful, non-threatening events. Yes, we should show that the church is there for them in ways that they can easily understand. But also, more so than all of that, let us remember that we are to be the fragrant aroma of the presence of God. And let us be praying that week by week in our gatherings here and however else we meet through the week, that when people come into contact, when people walk into the temple of God, they would know something different here. God is here. I can smell it. I can feel it around me. Are you praying that way for life in this church? I have two more. What does Romans 8 verse 9 mean for our concern regarding those who do not have the Spirit of Christ? When we begin to more and more fully understand this awesome reality that God is in us, our hearts are stirred for those who aren't in that, in that position. Our hearts are moved. It's, 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 there's a direct relationship. The degree to which we understand God by His grace 
dwells in me is directly related to the degree with which we would pray for our friends and family who are not living in the freedom of the law of the spirit of life, the spirit dwelling in them. Pray that way this week. And then lastly, what does it mean that the spirit of God dwells in us? What does that mean for our fears and our sadnesses? I mentioned last week that Jacob had his school week away at Loch Inch. And one of the last things we said to him as we drove up to drop him off and prayed, he said, remember, if you're ever frightened, if you're lonely at night, if you wish mom and dad were there, remember, God is there with you. God is there in you. No matter what would come at you, God is enough. This God, the powerful God that we've just been talking about, is in us. Everything else may crumble around you this week. One day, everything else will fall away. Even the best of our relationships here on this earth, even the the best of our health and vitality, our best thoughts, all all that is going to pass away. You need not fear. God is there. Do you remember what I said might be my favorite verse in the Bible? Who have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He will be bring to completion the work that he's starting. The closeness that we can feel with God today, this coming week, is but a tiny taste of the perfection of the closeness of his presence that we will one day know when every tear is wiped away, when death and disease are done with once and for all. There will be no more loneliness. There will be no more stumbling, no more failure, no more rejection from others, no more hopelessness. We have in us now the deposit, is sometimes the language that is used, that guarantees that reality. So, dear friends, come to him. I pray some of you will come to him for the first time. Turn to Jesus. Trust in Jesus for forgiveness and life evermore. Now, just in your heart. And for all of us, come to him again and wonder. Rest in him. Pray we won't take it for granted. And then pray that this reality will seep into every area of our lives more and more as we soak in and are saturated by the wonder that God dwells in us. Let's pray. I just invite you to say yes to God now. welcome. You're welcome, God. You just say, thank you, God, that you're with me. Thank you, God, that you're in me.
Father in heaven, I pray in your grace that you would awaken us to the reality, the wonder of the reality. That you are in us. You are holy God, perfect in purity, in power and authority, in infinite creativity, in overflowing love and grace, in unapproachable light, in miraculous and infinite wisdom. You are in us. God, I pray you'd help us as we navigate our day-to-day lives this week. Help us know you're with us and help us be changed by that reality, I pray.